All right, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me once again to the book of Psalms, chapter 13. The book of Psalms, chapter number 13. For the last several weeks now, so the Psalms has been a balm to my soul. It has been a soothing balm to my soul. Uh, reading the words of David and Asaph and others, uh, ultimately it's the Lord, but the Lord speaking through their ink pen, speaking through their quill, speaking directly to my heart. And it is just, just, I've gone to other places. I've tried to study many things. I've had no peace. I've had no success. And my heart and my mind and my spirit continue to be drawn back to Psalms. And I found particular encouragement this week in Psalm 13. And I want to read this precious Psalm to your hearing. Verse, it's only six verses. But in these six verses, David runs the gambit of emotions. He goes from the pit of despair to the consolation of God. And the title of the message this morning is a, pray, is a little play on words. From morning to morning. From morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, to morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. In G. Psalm chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Hear now the word of the true and the living God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Look and answer me, O Yahweh my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies says, I have overcome him, and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your precious holy word. Father, we pray now, send help. Do it. Send help now, Lord, to get me out of the way to speak to your people loud and clear this day to the heart that needs that consolation, to the heart that needs convicting, to the soul that needs saving. Draw us all ultimately to a closer walk with our Savior and King, our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. This psalm was probably written during David's difficult years of exile when he was on the run and King Saul was pursuing him. There were times when David confessed as he did in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. He says, there is but a step between me and death. By the grace of God, David turned his sufferings into songs. That's what the psalms are, many of them. They are songs. I don't know what it says in, in, in your translation or in your Bible, but it says at the top of mine, for the choir director 
or to the choir director. These things were sung as praises to the Lord. And some churches actually have what is called a psalter, where it's actually a hymnal with psalms that are sung to music. And this was a song of praise written by David to the Lord. And by the grace of God, these things that David felt, these heartaches, these burdens, these success, the, the successes that he had have been captured for us in his word to speak to our hearts at the time that we need them. In this brief psalm, David deals with his feelings, he deals with his foes, and then he finally deals with his faith. The first two verses deal with his feelings. The second two verses deal with his foes, and then the final two deal with his faith. So we're going to start there. Point number one, his feelings. David looks in. David looks within the inward struggle. Look at again at what it says. How long, O Lord, how long, or how long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my own soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? You know, God, if you know anything about David, and we spent many, 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 many weeks talking about David's life, going through 1st and 2nd Samuel on Wednesday nights, David had been promised He had been chosen by God to be king of a united Israel over Israel and Judah to be a united king over them. But it hadn't happened yet. He had been anointed in a sense in that Samuel was sent by God, the prophet, to go look for my king. Because if you remember the story, the Israelites didn't want God to be their king. They already had one in God, but they didn't want God to be their king. They wanted a banny rooster that they could show off. They wanted a flagship. They wanted a king like the other nations. We want someone that we can show off and that we can, that can strut around before us, someone that we can be proud of. Evidently, God was not enough for them to be proud of. They needed a figurehead. So God says, okay, there. And he gave them what they wanted. He gave them the desires of their heart. And they gave him Saul. And Saul did everything that God prophesied that he would do. He would take, take, take. And that's what he did. And then God chooses David. And he says, I'm choosing out for me my king that I want to be for you. And he chooses David, this ruddy young man that the, that the scriptures tell us that David was ready. He was the run of the litter, right? David's uh, father, Jesse, had all of these other strapping young men that Jesse wanted to parade out in front of Samuel. It's like, here, let, let the Lord choose from one of these. The Lord tells Samuel, no, I want that one that's looking after the sheep. I want that one that's tending after his father's flocks. And so he chooses David to be his king and not just to be the king then but to start something well actually not to just start but to continue a lineage that God had started through Abraham on down to where about his Messiah the true last king 
the greatest king, the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ would come. But that haven't happened yet. And here David is. David's now in the wilderness. He's now in this despair. He's in these times of great question and exile. And he's like, God, I'm doing everything you want me to do. I'm following this king. I'm following the one that is in charge now. I'm doing everything right. And yet, he's still in power. And I'm on the run from him. David had questions. God had promised him that throne, but that throne kept seemed to be getting further and further and further away. And Saul was doing evil things, and God was not judging him. Saul was doing rotten things, and God was indeed not judging him, not yet, anyway. And how often have we talked about that? Many, many, many times we've talked about that. Why do the wicked prosper? Why is it that people that don't do things godly, why is it that people don't do things the way that God wants them to be done? Why is it that there are people that just live like the devil and yet they never, ever are harmed? We wonder this. And here David is, he's crying out, how long will I have to endure this? He had felt abandoned. He had felt abandoned by the Lord. David was disturbed by what his enemy was doing, but he was more concerned about what the Lord was not doing. Like, man, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything that you've told me to do. And at that point in his life, he was. He was doing everything that I'm, that I'm supposed to do, but yet here I am, I'm on the run. Here I am, this crazy man keeps trying to kill me. And I've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity where I could have just killed him, but I didn't. But Lord, why am I continuously having to endure this? And four times in two verses, David asked that question, how long? How long, O Yahweh? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? It's a familiar question. It's a familiar question you see in the scriptures. Abraham asked the question as well. How long is it, am I going to have to live without having a, a, a son? I've been promised by God that I'm going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I don't have not a single one yet. How long? And then you think about Hannah. Hannah, the dear sweet lady who was the, the, the mother of Samuel. She was married to, what was his name? I believe it was Elkanah for all of those years and was barren, did not have one child. She watches all of her other family have children, have child after child after child, and she is not able to have children. So Elkanah takes another wife to try to help God out. And Hannah cries. She doesn't say how long, but she says so many years, all these years, and yet no child left uh, yet. And then here's David. And David's in the wilderness and he's crying, how long am I going to have to endure this? And how many of you are under something right now? 
and you're crying out in your heart and in your mind and in your soul almost on a daily basis, God, how long have I got to keep doing this? How long have I got to keep going through this? How long do these results have to just stay the same? Oh, God, what would you have me do? Why does it, it feels like that you are just so far from me? David says, will you forget me forever? Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt that way? And you feel like that you're in trouble and you pray, but nothing seems to happen. At least it doesn't happen the way we see fit. And it, it, it had, things like this happens when problems mount, when turmoil happens, when we're stretched too thin, when we're mistreated, when we're unappreciated, and we feel despair and depression and depression. And it feels like God has forgotten all about us. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? He says, God, will you forget me forever? David says, how long? How long will you hide your face from me? And speaking of great loneliness, David uh, spoke often about how encouraging it was to behold God's face. I mean, just look over in uh, uh, Psalm 11 and uh, verse 7. Look what it says. It says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. That means the favor of God. That means the blessing of God. And there is blessing in obedience to God. There is blessing in obeying God. I've talked, I talked about it last week and many times before that. That just simply by obeying God, it keeps us out of trouble. Just simply by obeying God, it keeps us from sinful consequences. But sometimes we just feel like we're doing all that we can. And those blessings ain't coming. At least not in our mind. And he cries out, how long, O Lord? But it says there, it says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. The choir sang just a few minutes ago about a mansion on a hilltop about a mansion on a hilltop. I'm looking forward to it too. But as I stand here right now, I'm telling you, that's not what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm not looking forward to a mansion. I'm not looking forward to that beautiful city with streets of gold so transparent you can just about see through them. I'm not looking forward to a to that river of life that's going to go on and on and on. I'm not looking forward to that Jasper wall with the names of the apostles written in them. I'm looking forward to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 that says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is what I want more than anything. Take it all away. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. That's what David wanted. But now David's in this darkness. He's in this desert time. He's in this despair. And he's like, Lord, how long am I going to have to endure this? How long am I going to have to, how is this going to have to keep happening? David felt abandoned. And feeling like he was left to himself, David tried to devise various ways to overcome the enemy. But nothing seemed to satisfy him. You know, there's only so many times then we can pull, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps on our own. There's only so many times we can do that. You can do it a few times. You can do it for a little while. But eventually, them straps are going to break and you're going to give out. We can't do it on our own. 
We need the Holy Spirit of the living God combined with the people of God. Because our faith, our walk is a walk of faith. And faith is living without scheming. It's living without great, in-depth, elaborate planning. Right? We are to plan. We are to, uh, 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 we are to plan. We are to have uh, things that we want to do. But we've got to be ready for God to come in and say, smash them all to pieces and say, no, this is what we're doing. We've got to be ready for change when it comes. We've got to be able to be, to be moldable, to be movable, to roll with the punches. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, trust in me, trust in myself, trust in my own labors and my own abilities. No. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So David cries out, he says, he cries out to the Lord, and he says, Lord, there we go. Says, Lord, no, I know I'm in the midst of a storm. I know I'm in the midst of a storm, and I know that there's 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 clouds everywhere. But you know, even in the midst of the storm, the sun's still there. Even in the midst of the storm, the sun is still there. You think about that, you think about the night sky, you think about those stars. Just because it's thundering and lightning, just because it's overcast, those stars are still there at night. Well, just because it's overcast and there's clouds and there's things happening in our life, the sun, S-O-N, is still there. And you know, it can be a very, 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 very dangerous thing to give in to our feelings. Our feelings will betray us. Our feelings will make us run amok. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful and it is desperately wicked above all else. You hear somebody say, yeah, just follow your heart. No, don't do that. That's the worst news you can give somebody. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus Christ. And you know, we talked about this in Sunday school. We could be feeling these, the, have these feelings of, 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 of abandonment and these feelings of, of loneliness. And so maybe in a sense we shouldn't, we should not deny our feelings and maybe we need to just take a, a, an inventory. Maybe we need to do a little self-reflection. And maybe the reason why we're saying how long, maybe the reason why we're, feel, we're feeling like we've been abandoned is maybe it's something on our part that is separating us from God. Maybe it's something in our spiritual closets that we need to clean out. Maybe it's time that we stop fiddling around with our pet sin and we get real, we get honest, and we get it right with God. Every bit of it, no matter how minor you may think it is, put Jesus on the cross. And for you and I to continue to fiddle around with it, to continue to entertain it, to continue to give place to it is wrong. And it could be for that very reason why we are in the situations that we're in. It could be. 
That's why we need to seek God's face. Okay, God, if there's something that I need to get right, reveal it to me. And we have the promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if uh, we confess our sin, God is faithful to cleanse us of our sin, to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And there to say, and, and at the same time, we got to realize, hey, our, our feelings can betray us. Our feelings can, can, they can change from one minute to the next, right? Happiness, we can be happy one moment and depressed and down in the dumps the next, right? Feelings can betray us. First John chapter three, verse 20, for though our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. And one of the things he can do is lift us up out of the emotional storms of life. Point number two, David's looked in at his fears. Now he looks out at his foes. Verses three and four. Look what it says. It says, look and answer me, O Lord. Look and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says I have overcome him and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken it's good to have peace within us it's good to have peace within us but David also wanted protection around him and that's why he prayed he prayed to the Lord and he makes three requests he says Lord look at me Lord answer me Lord give light to my eyes think about it what it says he says Lord look at me I plea for the Lord to fix his eyes on David David felt that God had hidden his face from him. Thought that God was, was, was somehow angry with David. He's like, God, look upon me again like you once did. Secondly, he says, answer him. Answer him and say, Lord, send me encouragement. Lord, I'm doing all this talking to you. I need to hear from heaven. I need to hear from heaven. If you need to hear from heaven, it's like a preacher that I met with yesterday. He says, when I get in the word, I stay there till I'm done. I stay there till I'm done. I don't come out of it until God speaks to me. That might be three verses. That might be three chapters. That might be a book. But I stay there until God speaks to me. We could learn from that. We could stand to learn quite a bit from that because we're going to do all this talking in prayer and we need to hear from God and the way we hear from him is in his word so he says God answer me God please answer me I'm going crazy here but God God answer me give light to my eyes is the next thing that he says but let me wait a minute before I move on to that one God says he, he said he David says to God answer him send encouragement David felt that he'd been deserted and his prayers weren't accomplishing anything. Now back up to verse 2. Look what he says. He says, how long shall I take counsel in my own soul? You know what David's saying there? How long am I going to have to talk to myself? How long am I just going to have to keep constantly having this inside self-talk where I'm just, the, I'm the only one that's communicating with myself. I'm having this internal conversation and I'm getting nowhere. I'm having this internal conversation and I'm getting absolutely nowhere. And what's even happening? Having sorrow in my heart all the day. Continuous self 
Talk can lead to despair. It's one thing to internalize and to think things over and to plan and to pray and seek God. But when you're just constantly just rehearsing over in your heart and in your mind how bad it is, how awful it is, that's what you're going to continue to have inside of your heart and inside of your spirit and your, and your emotions will always be destitute when you continue to just look in and talk about it and fester on it and stay there and mull on it. It does no good. And that's why David says, Lord, give light to my eyes. Lord, answer me. Talk to me. I want to hear from you because I ain't getting nowhere on my own. I need to hear from you because I'm not getting anywhere on my own. God had chosen David. And if David, David says, he says in verse four, lest my enemies say I have overcome him and my adversaries rejoice that I'm shaken. David's like, man, if I fail, if I fail, they're going to ultimately ridicule you, Lord. They're ultimately going to ridicule you because you chose me. You says I'm supposed to be the king. You've made this known. And so if I fail, they're ultimately going to, going to laugh at you. They're ultimately going to say that you've failed. David's at the heart of David. David wanted to do the will of God. At the center, at the core of David's prayer and his cry here was God's glory. For that's what we're supposed to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. So that's what he's worried about. And also, you think about this. David's crying out. He's in this despair. You know, I'm going to be a big discouragement to the people of God if they see me like this. If they see me just this emotional wreck, if they see me just completely, my nerves are just completely destroyed and tore up, I'm going to be a, I could be a hindrance to the people of God. Because I, Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And so David's like, I, I, God, please let me hear from you. Let me hear from you, Lord. I'm at my wits end. God, I want to hear from you so that people aren't ridiculing you and think that they've defeated you. So how we react can have effects on others. Point number three, David has looked in. He's looked out. And now he looks up. The upward look, David's faith, verses five and six. He says, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. Take note of that little word, but. Take note of that little word, but. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher that lived many, many, many years ago and labored in London, said, thank God for the buts in the Bible. All of that despair, all of that depression, all of that dread, all of that heaviness, all of that sorrow. And then you come to verse five, but, but I have trusted in the Lord. I have trusted in God. I have trusted in God's plan. That but indicates a transition from fear to faith. From fear to faith, from questioning God 
to claiming God's promises, to que- from questioning God's silence to claiming God's promises. David's enemies, they may rejoice. They may rejoice, but their confidence was false. The Lord will fight his battles, will fight the battles of his people. But just like David, the Christian can rejoice in the Lord his God as well. David's feelings had been on a roller coaster. In just six verses, they've been on, they're, they're on a roller coaster ride. But God was still on the throne. God was still on the throne. And we have to remember that. There is not anything that's going on in this world or in our lives that's going to trouble the throne room of God. There's nothing that you and I are enduring that our God is going to look at and say, oh my goodness, I don't know how to fix that. God is in control. God is on the throne. And God's mercy, God's loving kindness, God's steadfast love was all that David needed. And David knew Even though his emotions were erratic, even though he was going half crazy in his own mind, he knew in his heart of hearts that God would never fail him. That God would indeed never fail him. Listen to these words from Lamentations chapter chapter 3. It says, "The, the, The loving kindness of the Lord indeed never ceases, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will wait on him. We don't have problems trusting in the Lord, right? Most of us who are believers, yes, 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 I I trust in the Lord. I'm going to talk about that in a minute because David's going to bring that out. God's people, we don't, as God's people, we don't live on explanations. We live by faith on promises, We live by faith on promises, and those promises are as unchanging as the character of God himself. And relying on the Lord leads to rejoicing in the Lord and rejoicing in his salvation. Now, take note of of three things that it says in verses 5 and 6. Take note of three things that David does. He says, but I have trusted, my heart shall rejoice, And I will sing. And I will sing. Trusting, putting all your confidence in the Lord. We don't have any problem doing that. We don't have any problem saying that. We don't have any problem verbalizing that. But Tom Petty got it right, didn't it? Waiting is indeed the hardest part. It's that waiting. It's that period. It's like, you know, we want things to happen yesterday. I want them to happen. I wanted them to happen seven weeks ago. I want them to happen here and now. That's why, that's why in bigger cities they have these things called DoorDash because we can't even wait. We can't wait in a drive-thru. I've got to have it here. I've got to have it now. I've got to have it my way right here, right now. But then the Lord says, wait. It's going to happen on my time. Weeping may last for a night. We're not told how long that night's going to be. It might not be eight hours. It might be longer than that. It might be a couple of years. But what's the other side of that verse? There's joy coming. There's joy coming in the morning. It's coming. 
Just as sure as you and I are breathing oxygen, joy, the joy of the Lord is coming in the morning. And one day it's going to be His eternal morning that we look so forward to when all things are passed away and all things are made new. When the peace of God that passes all understanding right now will be so in abundance and so full and so glorious. And we're never, not one more time, going to shed a tear again. We're trusting in that. And because of that, because of Christ, because of what he did on the cross, because he has purchased our unworthy soul and we, we are trusting in that, then we can do, take the next step. David says, my heart shall rejoice. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Christ is the only one worth trusting. And because we can trust in him, we can rejoice, have joy. I know it's hard. I know it's hard out there. I know it's hard. There's an expression that goes along that says life stinks and then you die. That's how the world lives. Not us. Not us. Not the believer. Not the one who's been bought and been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because our joy is in Him. Our fullness is in Him. Our happiness is in Him. It doesn't matter the, the earthly circumstances. So you got a big fancy vehicle to drive. So what? I've got Jesus Christ. So you live in the biggest house, on the biggest hill, on the biggest side of town. And you make multi-million dollars a year. So what? That could be counterfeit just like that. I've got Jesus. And so David says, I rejoice. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Then the next step, he says, sing. I will sing to the Lord. There is such tangible, beautiful, spiritual medicine in singing to the Lord, in singing songs that are filled with good, rich praises to Christ. There is such a medicine in that. And I've found that in times of some of my loneliest let me confess to you right now. This gig as a pastor is one of the loneliest things anybody can do. It's awful lonely. But you're around people a lot. No matter. It's lonely. And I found times that even that as a father, you feel like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders. You've got this family to raise. You've got time that you want to give to them. You've got all this stuff. And then you might have a boss on, the back, on your back too that's crawling and you need to get this done. But if you will push through that and you, you sing to your Lord, I guarantee you all the rest of it will melt away. There is such medicine in singing to the Lord your God. For when we sing to Him, when we sing those rich praises to Him, when, we, when you sing those rich praises to your God, you get blessed, you get filled, you get comforted, you get encouraged. And I can't answer for the physical part. That's God's design. That's God's doing. 
But for that spiritually sick soul, you can get that spiritual healing. Every single time. That word bountiful, right there at the end of verse 6, because he has dealt bountifully with me, it focuses on the, the goodness of God and his generosity in dealing with his people. Listen, listen to this. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons your iniquities. Man. Man. We got to talking about testimonies in Sunday school. It doesn't matter if you were a drug dealer, worked for the mafia, were a, a, a hit man for years. Or if you just told one lie. Both of those are sinners in the eyes of God and both of them deserve a devil's hell. But you know what? Christ's blood washes both away. And David says, bless the Lord who pardons your iniquities, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with mercy and compassion and who satisfy your years with good things. That doesn't mean material things. We get the necessities that we need. That means with the abundance of joy of the Christian life. David, now listen, look, look at this. Look, I mean, just pay attention to those six verses. David's circumstances haven't changed that we're told. But the Lord had changed David's heart. And that occurred when David stopped looking at his feelings, when he stopped looking at his enemies, when he stopped looking at his foe, when he stopped looking at his feelings, looking at his foes, but when by faith he started looking to his Lord. I want to say this before we get out of here. Sometimes our circumstances won't change. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they do need to change. Sometimes repentance is called for and forsaking sin is what is prescribed. It is what needs to be done in order for change to take place. But sometimes our circumstances won't change and they don't need to. God may simply want our perspective to change. God is sovereign, and I take great, 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 great comfort in that. That means he's in control of all things. And that God is intentional in that he has a purpose in it all. And God had a purpose for David, and he has a purpose for you and I. We just need to have the proper perspective, and that perspective is the view that focuses on him. It's the view that says, Lord... I know with all my heart that I belong to you. And if you can't say that this day, that's your greatest need. You have no other need in your life than to be able to say, I belong to Jesus. Don't leave this property until you've talked to somebody, until you've done business with God, because that is your greatest need. Lord, I know I belong to you. I know you will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that you are working in all things and weaving together your good eternal purpose. And Lord, if there is something or some sin that is causing this separation between us, Lord, please reveal it to me and help me forsake it, learn from it, and move past it. But if that's not the case, Lord, I know that you have called me to honor you and to glorify you with my life. 
So please help me to take my eyes off of me and my eyes off of others and fix them on Jesus. Help me to learn in these valleys to depend on you more. And Lord, mold me and shape me to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you again for your precious holy word. How indeed it is just so vital to us, oh God. Lord, we thank you. Mm. It's hard to thank you when we're in them, but we thank you for the valleys. We thank you for the times to where it does feel like we're so far from you. Even though it's, you never move, it's all on us. It's either because we've got sin in our life that we need to get rid of, or it's because our, just, our perspective of things just needs to change. Help us, Lord, to do what I prayed earlier, to be the people that you've called us to be, that you will help us to be. We're not in this alone. We have the help, the leading, the guiding of the triune God of heaven and earth to carry us along and shape us and mold us to be the people you want us to be and the people you deserve us to be. All these things we ask in Jesus' holy name.